You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Eric McMahon. On this episode, we discuss Michigan softball's early exit from the NCAA tournament, the baseball team's postseason schedule, NBA draft decisions, and more. Coming up on Wolverine Confidential. Hey guys, good to be talking with you here Tuesday, May 24th in the morning. Uh, we've got some sports, several sports to talk about, as always. Uh, we'll start with softball because their season is done. The Michigan softball team eliminated in the regional round of the NCAA tournament. Uh, they beat South Dakota State twice, but they lost to the host UCF twice and uh, in a double elimination tournament. That's all it took. Uh, Sunday's nine to four loss uh, did it for them. So they are out. I guess, Zook, what went wrong for the Wolverines uh, in Orlando this past weekend? Yeah, I mean, just not not enough offense and not being able to hold on, on to a lead here in on Saturday that could have put them in the driver's seat. I mean, you're up six to nothing or two to nothing heading into the sixth inning and then uh, allow two two late runs to, to tie the game. You have to play an extra four innings and that's uh, that's all she wrote. So uh, ended up losing three to two in 11 innings absolutely drained a lot of pitchers and then with this was after and then they had to deal with some weather delays and and play two games Sunday yeah (laughs) oh what a adventurous weekend so yeah I mean really it's it it comes down to not scoring enough but that losing that game and for UCF to come back in the way they did uh, one run in the sixth one one run in the seventh down to their last strike in the seventh inning to tie it up um, yeah, that's just put, put mission behind the eight ball and yeah, five straight years or five straight tournaments now that they failed to get out of the regional round, uh, which for this program is, is pretty disappointing. You would think. Yeah. I mean, the, the longer that game went on, um, like the, the more it was going to be devastating for whichever team lost, uh, because, you know, use, especially Michigan, they were using more pitchers, uh, and, and you know, they're, there's not the host there. Uh, but now in the end, I thought it actually helped them that, then the the weather affected the day that there were no more games played that day um, because they were they were scheduled to then play again later that day um, and that would have been real tough. Instead, you know, they did get get the night and got to come back the next day. Um, you know, in the end, it, did it matter? I don't know. They they were able to win their next game after that, but then lost to UCF anyway. But yeah, that I mean, you got to point to that blown lead as 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 just being critical. Um, you know, yeah, you talked about the programs. Kind of recent, well, uh, recent struggles. Uh, I'll put that in air quotes because like ninety five percent of the programs in the country would you know sign up for Michigan struggles. Um, you know they didn't win the Big Ten regular season title this year, but you know they won it the three years before that. Uh, if you as you've noted, twenty seven straight NCAA tournament appearances. Um, but yeah, twenty sixteen, the last time they made it out of the regional round. Um, I don't know. Part part of that is hosting, right? But. You know, eleven. I looked. Eleven of the sixteen teams that hosted this year made it out. So I mean, a lot, but it's not like it's unprecedented to 
to advance if if you're not. Yeah, this year was I mean, this year they got the most favorable draw possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had beaten UCF six nothing earlier in the year. Uh, I, I mean, they were there was no power other power five programs in their in their region, which I mean, obviously it's non power five teams to, to make it out of there, but it's very rare for them to go on a run. So yeah, I thought Michigan got a favorable draw. They were in the same time zone. They didn't have to go to like Seattle like last year. Mm-hmm. Um, had had previous success at, against UCF, and just did not did not show up in, in crucial times. So um, yeah, really kind of. And then on the elimination game, didn't down five nothing in the first three innings. It's it's tough to overcome when you know you've been pressing to score runs um, the last few a uh, few games heading into that game. So yeah, I, it's, I'm sure it's frustrating for the program. And I thought Michigan had going in, had a, had a really good shot of advancing and uh, they were not able to do so. Like you said, that loss to UCF, the, the first one and the extras kind of you know, swung things, you know, in those double elimination tournaments, you really got to win the first and, and, you know, ideally the second game to put you in a position where, you don't have to play, you know, two or three games in one day. In this case, it was going to be three because of the rain delay and everything. But you know, it, when you got to play that that many games, and you, 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 the the path is obviously carved out for you. Uh, but it's a lot of pressure too. And and it, you know, it went from them potentially, you know, playing one more game to them having to play two or three in in a matter of four extra innings and and them losing. So it's it's tough in these tournament games. You know, you got to you got to you got to play well early. You have to have good pitching, and, and they largely did all weekend. But um, you got to win those close games, and, and they couldn't do it, obviously. Michigan managed only five hits in those 11 innings, only one coming in extras, where, I mean, UCF threatened, it seemed like, every every inning in, in extra innings, and they were the, the home team. So in the bot, the Michigan's pitchers had to work themselves out of some jams just to, to keep ex- extending the game. Um, and then uh, the, the same player that, that tied it up in the seventh won it with another double down the right field line in, in the 11th to, to win it. And I guess what, what was a little bit surprising, too, is that on Sunday morning the in the elimination bracket, Michigan went to Alex Taraco against South Dakota State. And, and in that game, Michigan got up four to nothing in the first two innings. You're like, all right, I mean, against South Dakota State, you should be able to, to hang on with, with one of your secondary pitchers. I thought they might bring in someone else in state and save Alex Taraco for UCF. Um, that uh, was not the case. I mean, Storaco is magnificent. She only allowed two hits in seven innings, struck out 12, but she threw 90 pitches and it's tough to, to come back later in the day and, and throw a lot too. So uh, in, in the elimination game, the, the nine to four loss, Megan Bobian didn't even get out of the first inning after walking in three runs. She later came in again to, to pitch, but Mich- it was just Mich- or Terrell Hutchins was throwing some pitchers in a blender there and just trying to get out any way she can. Um, but yeah, I, I thought maybe save Storaco, pull her after a few innings when you have a 4 nothing lead. I know you got to win the game in front of you, but you got to kind of think a little bit ahead too. So I guess that was a little bit surprising to me. Yeah, so they just haven't, you know, it's been obviously the same coach in, in Carol Hutchins, but, you know, same her, her two assistants as well for, you know, 20 plus years here. Um, and I don't, I don't know. I don't I don't think the programs, like I said, those, those numbers I recited before about the making the NCAA tournament, winning the Big Ten, like this program's not in a, in a downward spiral by any means. But um, yeah, just not hasn't quite been elite. And I think the, the bats are the reason um, over these last few years. Uh, the baseball team will begin its postseason play uh, tomorrow night, Wednesday night against Illinois in, in Omaha. 
um, as part of the Big Ten tournament. Uh, I know there were 500 in the Big Ten, uh, three games over 500 overall. And uh, Ryan, they need to win this Big Ten tournament to reach the NCAA tournament. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. It's not like a, a couple of years ago uh, in 2019 where like they needed to win a couple of games in the Big Ten tournament to, to pad their resume enough. They need to win it all this year um, because it's been yeah been a, it's been a roller coaster season and yeah I mean their RPI is is in the 70s so that's not going to be enough to to cut it uh, for for an at large bid so they're going to need to go on a little bit of a run here in in Omaha where where they seemingly love to play that's oh they came one win away from from winning a college World Series title there in 2019 um, to to be able to make their third straight NCAA tournament appearance. We were talking a little bit before the the podcast about the the reason that this team has been inconsistent this year, and it's it's been pitching. Uh, the they are giving up a lot of runs. Yes, seven point zero three ERA. Um, I mean, this is a team that in twenty nineteen pitching was was their strength. I mean, they had mm-hmm. three dominant starting pitchers, a, a really good bullpen, and this year. I mean, they don't have any guys with under a four ERA. I mean, you look at their stat sheet. There's there is not pretty. Um, a lot of runs have been given up, not even just for Michigan, but for the entire Big Ten. It's definitely been an offensive heavy season in the Big Ten, but it, it, it's tough to win games and, and putting a lot of pressure on your offense when you're giving up seven runs a game. So uh, I was talking with the, the Michigan Sports Information Director yesterday, too. I also spoke with Eric Bakich. This is a much bigger ballpark than a lot of ballparks in the Big Ten. So, I mean, that might help a little bit. But again, that, that also might hurt Michigan's offense a little bit too. It could be tougher to, to store runs and, and hit the ball out of the ballpark. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, the team's confident heading into this week. It is it is a double elimination conference tournament. So Michigan has a, a little bit of a cushion to play with if they lose against Illinois, the, the number four seed uh, on Wednesday night. But it, it's a much easier path if, if you win your first game. That bigger ballpark too also goes both ways. If Michigan's pitching isn't doing great, they're all, it's also going to hurt them too. So I mean, the the their backs. I think you wrote this today, Zuka. You're going to their backs are against the wall. They've got to get some momentum here. And it sounds like they do have some momentum, but um, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna have to. I think pitch well to have a shot. Otherwise, yeah, they're not they're not getting out of Omaha. Yeah, I mean, they scored nine runs in each of their past past five games, and and that and only led to to three wins. So it's. Uh, I'm sure it's frustrating for, for some of the hitters, but again, you just, uh, anything can happen and, and it's, it is a pretty even big 10. I mean, Maryland is, is ranked and definitely the favorite, but uh, if you get a hot pitcher and you get on a little bit of a run that could take, take you a long way. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, definitely not the spot that Michigan was expected to be in this year. I think they were picked to finish second in the big 10 ended up finishing fifth. Um, but again, yeah, they, they have the bats that can, can compete with anyone else in the conference. It's just a matter of, of getting outs. Michigan, the five seed will play Illinois 9 PM, uh, Wednesday night, that game on TV. Uh, it mm. is on big 10 network. Yes. There you go. So. Uh, so yeah, late, late start for Michigan to open the big 10 tournament. Um, yeah, we said we'd talk a little, uh, NBA draft decisions. There's there's really no news yet, but uh, Musa Diabate and Caleb Houston, you know, two freshmen for the Michigan team. Um, you know, they're in the draft, so you're you're in it until you're until you're out. Um, they have through June first to decide um, all, all day. The deadline is 11:59 p.m. Eastern time on June first um, to withdraw. So you know, a week away from that. 
um, if they want to, you know, come back to Michigan and, and play next season. It, it's hard to say. Again, Houston did not participate in the combine. And we've talked about in previous episodes, you know, the reasons for that potentially, um, you know, and you're, you're seeing some uh, of the, you know, the mock drafts uh, leaning towards uh, him staying in the draft and getting and getting selected, um, you know, either late in the first round or um, early in the second round. Diabate, uh, I'm seeing fewer, uh, you know, people projecting him to get selected, but, um, you know, some have him in, in the second round. Uh, so we'll see. He he performed well at the combine, I'd say, um, you know, his, his height and, and weight and, uh, you know, wingspan were all uh, what you'd expect. You know, they they are obviously they have they have their heights and weights listed on their college rosters. And sometimes it doesn't exactly match up. But, you know, his his did for the most part, um, you know, his agility was was good as expected. And he finished in, in first or second place among the eight centers who were there. Uh, you know, Diabate was listed as a center. Uh, that's not what he played at Michigan, mostly just because they had Hunter Dickinson. Um, but, you know, that may be more of his, his position, better position. Um, you know, he, I, I, I thought he maybe was better at times uh, out there without Dickinson, but yeah, his shooting was, was okay. Uh, and then in the two scrimmages, you know, the, the second game in particular, he put up pretty good numbers. Um, I was not there in Chicago, so I did not, you know, witness any of this firsthand, but, um, yeah, his performance was, was, was good. Uh, so, I mean, we'll see, we'll see. It'll obviously factor into his decision one way or the other. Did I read that he had 2.7% body fat? (laughs) Yeah. There's also that. I couldn't remember if we had discussed that yet. Yes. You did read that. It's not right. It's not accurate. (laughs) I mean, there's like a dozen, there's a dozen guys who are like under 5% and you just reading, when you start reading about this and some experts weighing in, like, yeah, that's just, they need to measure it in a different way because that's just not right. Like you'd think maybe you just, I don't know. I, I did. I'd probably think, I was just like, oh, the lower, the better or whatever. Well, no, you want to be at a certain number just right. to function. You know, <laughs> fat provides, uh, it has a purpose. Um, and basically there's no, but, but it's, it's all silly to me. Like, what's the point? Like if you're measuring how quick a guy is and how high he can jump and how strong he is and all these other things he can do, what does it really matter what that number is? I mean, even if a guy had an astronomically high number, if he's moving around well and, you know, doing all these other things, jumping high, what is it, what does it really matter what that number is? So I'm not even sure why they do it at this point and put it out there, but yes, it was, it was funny to see him as the lowest by quite a bit. Um, you know, it wasn't surprising that he was low. We saw him. I mean, he, he had, he, he was a, a lean guy um, who's certainly, you know, continuing to put on more, more, you know, weight and muscle, I'd think. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's what we know. And, you know, Michigan could potentially be losing two starters um, or two more. I should say they already lost their starting backcourt, um, but they could lose. They could lose two others. Um, and it would certainly shift the uh, kind of expectations and, and the dynamic of this roster um, might might lead to more portaling for the Michigan basketball program as they, uh, you know, try to try to fill out their roster. So, um, you know, the deadline to enter the porter, portal had passed, but not not for, you know, acquiring players, you know, through it. So um, we'll see if Michigan elects to go that route, if they do, in fact, um, lose some of their, uh, you know, another player or two. 
I really wonder how much, not just for, for Houston and, and Diabate, but like that NIL plays in, in guys weighing their decisions and potentially coming back. Because at this point, like if, if you're not a, a first round pick, you could come back and, and make some some money through NIL deals and possibly boost your, your stock a little bit too. So it's I would be fascinating to, to see how what goes into making a, a decision these days compared to a few years ago. Yeah, I don't know all the details on this. Both of them did play uh, the end of their high school careers in the United States, but neither are from the United States. Uh, Houston's from Canada. Um, Diabate's from France. Um, I mean, the latest I had heard on that was that, you know, these these international players can't really right, capitalize your point, on it. Yeah. Right? I mean, I, I know with, yes, their student visas or whatever, right. there's, there's some complications there. So for them, it might be less of a factor, I guess. Right. But that is a good point because I think I'm pretty sure that some of the Canadian hockey players had signed NIL deals too. So I don't know. It's it changes <laughs> all the time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so. I remember David Ajabo was I think complaining about that at the beginning of the season mm-hmm. too. Right. But again, I don't know if it's changed or not too. You know. And then the NIL is always tricky because you don't really know many of these deals. You don't really know that the, the, the amount isn't disclosed. You don't really know right. how much these guys are making. So, you know, if it's a small amount, I don't think it really probably moves the needle much. But if a guy who's on the fence about whether he's going to, you know, wants to come back to the school or go to the draft, you know, there's a sizable amount there waiting for him. I could see it certainly making, you know, uh, certainly a factor in his decision, whether it's the sole factor, I don't know. But it, it is going to be fascinating to watch as the years go on, you know, with these guys who are on the bubble, so to speak, whether they, you know, whether they want to go to the NBA or the NFL draft. And there's, you know, maybe six figures waiting for them, you know, to come back to Michigan, you know, that you might see some guys, you know, stay another year or two. So it's, it's going to be, you know, Hunter Dickens, a perfect example. We don't really know how much he's mm-hmm. making, but he, he certainly cited NIL as a reason for coming back. So it's, I don't know, it's, it's a fascinating landscape and we'll see how, how it kind of plays out, you know, down the road. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, stay tuned. We'll have coverage uh, of that whenever those decisions are made, um, as well as of the Michigan baseball teams run here in the postseason. Thank you for listening.